In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he send forth laborers into his harvest. A sermon at the ordination of deacons and also priests is unique in two ways. First, the sermon comes at the very beginning, and second, the prayer book tells you what to preach about. The prayer book says, there should be a sermon or exhortation declaring the office and duty of such as are come to be admitted deacons. How necessary that order is in the Church of Christ, and also how the people ought to esteem them in their office. At first glance, this seems to call for a sort of stock sermon that says something like, the duty of a deacon is to read the gospel, administer the chalice, preach and teach as he's given opportunity, and of course, do what the bishop says to do. However, these important duties miss an essential element of ministry, essential dimension. A man is ordained in a certain place and time. Ministry is different today than it was 50 years ago, or 150 years ago, or 450 years ago. Whether we call our age postmodern, post-Christian, or pre-Christian, a man ordained today is ordained to minister in a world where the assumptions of Christian faith and morality no longer govern the day, in which many people's experience with the church has not been positive, and in which most people are not looking to go to church. The stable parish ministry of a previous era is gone. A minister today can carry out the basic duties of ministry and end up without a ministry. Consequently, it's essential that those we ordain today understand that the central aspect of their duty in office is to be a missionary. They must seek out the lost sheep. They must open the doors of the church in new ways through creative practices of hospitality. They must go and make disciples. Mission is often mistaken for marketing, but a missionary is not a mere salesman. Authentic mission means sharing with others our communal life in Christ, and it has two essential components, inward formation and outward witness. The first essential duty of a missionary is to focus on his own life of prayer and his own growth in faith and virtue. The missionary cannot share what he does not have. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The first duty of a missionary is to stay connected to Jesus through his life of prayer, purifying his motives, 
making good confessions that demonstrate a growing self-knowledge and growing in his own experience of God's grace. A related duty of a missionary is to pray for guidance in mission. Mission is not a marketing plan. The early church did not even begin its mission until the Holy Spirit came. And before the Holy Spirit came, they had no idea what their mission was. There can be no true mission without the interior presence and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Thus, the missionary continually prays and waits for the Holy Spirit to come and lead him into the fruitful work of ministry in the Spirit. The second essential duty of a missionary is to be a faithful witness to others. The missionary's preaching, teaching, and pastoral work aim at conversion of the heart to faith in Jesus Christ. Conversion of the heart has two horizons. There is the initial conversion of the heart to faith, and there is the ongoing conversion of the heart by which people grow in their experience of faith. The missionary aims at the continual conversion of the hearts of his people. He is a man of the Bible. He works hard at preaching and teaching. He does not give what Brother John Charles used to refer to as the so what sermon. He teaches people how to pray, how to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Mission work in our time and setting is personal and relational. The classic evangelical proclamation of the gospel began by convincing people that they were sinners so that Jesus could be offered as the answer to sin. Many people today already feel bad about themselves. They do not need to be convinced they're sinners. There is, in fact, an epidemic of self-loathing and even suicide. What people really need is someone to care about them and their story. Thus, the gospel proclamation for our time will not begin with, let me tell you about Jesus, but let me hear your story. When the ordained representative of Christ listens to people and cares about their lives and struggles, he bears witness to the gospel of grace. Listening develops relational connection and trust. Once people know you love them, they will be willing to let you teach them about Jesus and teach them how to pray. Apart from relational connection, people won't care very much about what you have to preach or teach. Mission work in our time is also communal. Salvation in our culture has often been viewed as a personal thing, a sort of individual insurance policy against hell. In a culture of isolation and alienation, where people have a thousand online connections but no real friends, 
the corporate dimension of salvation is paramount. The missionary cultivates a community of prayer and connection in which people connect to God and each other and in which people welcome the stranger through the practice of hospitality. People aren't looking to go to church in the 20th century sense of going for a couple hours on Sunday. But there is a hunger for the essence of what the church is supposed to be. Many people do want to know about God and do want to know others and be known by others. The crisis of the church in our time is that too frequently it is not a place where these desires can be met. The missionary works to make the church a community that connects people to God and to each other. Relational and communal connection will typically precede intellectual and moral commitment to the faith. People want to see who you are and what your community is before they will be willing to believe what you say. Thus, mission work is personal, relational, and communal. The inward and outward dimensions of mission are connected. A missionary's interior growth enables him to lead others on a pathway of growth in prayer and virtue. A community's growth in prayer and virtue enables it to be a visible witness to the world for the power of Christ to change people. It becomes a community with a mission. Today is the feast of St. Columba, who is credited with the conversion of Scotland. He established a monastery at Iona, a place that focused on <coughs> inward formation. The monastery was the foundation for his mission outside the monastery. Authentic mission in our tradition follows this Celtic pattern. It establishes a remnant community that cultivates the spiritual life of its members as the foundation for their witness to others in the world. Both inward formation and outward witness are essential for mission. If we neglect the work of interior spiritual formation, our mission work becomes marketing and manipulation. If we neglect the external work of witness, if Christ's love for us, experienced in our prayer, does not lead us to reach out to others in love, our interior work becomes self-absorption and narcissism. The focus on interior formation and exterior witness leads us to assess the faithfulness of a church in a different way. The church is not assessed by, what, by whether its theology is free from all error or by whether it did the liturgy just the right way. Rather, the church is assessed by whether its commitment to the truth and its commitment to right worship are producing in it the fruits of communal and missionary love. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Andrew, my exhortation for you is that your primary duty in office is to be a missionary. This duty in office is necessary for our church to fulfill its vocation. And people ought to esteem you in terms of how you bring the love of Christ to them and how you teach them to share the love of Christ with others. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers into his harvest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.